Welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, our goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices, and instead look for the processes and questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. I'm Will Patch, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for Higher Ed at Niche, and my guest today is Vince Slomsky, Director of Strategic Communications for Kent State University's Admissions Office and Division of Enrollment Management. For listeners in Northeast Ohio and Northwest Pennsylvania, you may know Vince from his time as a news anchor and a radio sports anchor prior to returning to his alma mater. If you've been following innovative and creative enrollment marketing, you have definitely heard about the work that he and his team have done over these past two years. Thanks for making time to chat today, Vince. Will, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was a great introduction. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I like, I like to bring in a little bit of everything in there and a little background. Yeah. You took me back to my past life as a, as a TV news anchor and reporter and uh, even the, the quick time I, I did some 2020 updates for a, a sports station up in Cleveland. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool background. You don't see it every day. So. Yeah, yeah. F- fun career path for sure. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, well, we're going to start here with two questions I like to ask everybody. So starting off here, what's something that you've tried that didn't work and what did you learn from that? Yeah, I think we try things every single day and, and all the time, um, you know, in our in our industry and in higher education just to see what sticks. You know, so many things that we do are driven by the numbers, right? As numbers, you know, fall or, or increase, you know, that kind of determines what we do. I, I put a little thought into this. So what did we try that didn't work out so well? And what did we learn? Right. So I would say throughout this pandemic. We learned quickly what too much virtual means. So you hear the terms Zoom burnout, things like Mm -hmm. that, you know, too much virtual. We certainly learned that I I would say rather quickly because what we started to find was not only were we doing everything virtual, so was everybody else. Right. And so these students, these prospective students and families, they are sitting on their laptops or their phones all day long. They're learning about math, science, you know, history all day long on their laptop. And then here we are coming in and saying, hey, join us for a virtual session to learn about how to apply to Kent State or join us for a virtual session to learn about our nursing program or our world-renowned fashion program. Well, they were tired. (laughs) They didn't want to sit in front of their laptops for any longer. And so I think it worked well um, at the beginning, but they quickly fizzled out. And so we were doing... Mm -hmm everything under the sun virtually, you know, when the pandemic first hit. So I'm talking college and campus partner virtual sessions, like I said, kind of application virtual sessions, financial aid virtual sessions. We were even doing, which I thought was an amazing opportunity at the time, we were having our admissions counselors do an Instagram live session once or twice a week. And so, like I said, at the beginning, it was great. Students were tuning in. They were like, this is awesome. I get to talk to an admissions counselor in real time with my peers. But again, it fizzled out because that burnout became so real so fast. And so what we learned from that was really focusing on quality over quantity, right? And so we hear that all the time, but we were just like, we need more, more, more because we're struggling with enrollment right now. Our numbers are down. What do we do? Oh my gosh, the world is on fire. But again, what we learned quickly was focus on the quality rather than the quantity with that. Another thing is, is that timing is really key. So when we're doing all these virtual events and we're trying to figure out how the heck are we going to recruit our incoming class, the timing has to be there. So if we're talking about next steps 
and it's not past February 1, you know, if we're doing a next, next steps event back in November or December, when these poor students are trying to figure out, yeah. you know, am I even going to go to college? Is, is college going to exist because this pandemic has everything shut down? And here we are trying to talk about their next steps when they haven't even applied yet. You know, th- that timing is certainly crucial for us to have success there. So and we learned quickly, you know, that we needed to pivot and adjust. The next thing I wanted to talk about was our Future Flashes program. So this was an idea that I brought on board. Um, I've been here in the admissions office at Kent State now for three years. And so I asked right away, I said, do we have any type of like an early commit program? And the answer was a resounding no. You know, we don't have an early commit program. So I developed this Future Flashes program. And so the idea was, let's try to get our sophomores, our juniors, even our seniors that are early on in the process to raise their hand and say, I'm definitely interested in Kent State. Because what that could do is that could help us forecast what our numbers are going to look like. That could really help us decide who we need to focus more attention and time on. I still really believe in this idea. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what what we give um, with the Future Flashes program. But what I learned was that it had to be developed from start to finish before launching this thing. So I think that we launched a little bit prematurely. So the Future Flashes program, again, it's kind of a hand-raising program where if they sign up and they give us their information, then we'll reward them. We kind of treat them as a VIP. It's almost a VIP program. But if they indicate that they're very interested in Kent State and we're one of their top choices, we would send them, and this is top secret info here, Well, but... We'll make sure no one hears about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we would send them a free Future Flashes t-shirt in the mail uh, with a customized box that has their name on it, has a little handwritten note inside. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, we would give them first dibs on all of our major events. So whether it's signing up for their Future Flash Day program or some special events that we did, we, we have a partnership with the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey team. They got first dibs at, at getting tickets to our Pittsburgh Penguins games that we would do. Those would fill up within minutes. As soon as we would release that email, it's like, boom, all the tickets are gone. We did a, a partnership with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We did a, a night up there. Our future flashes, again, got first dibs at those tickets. So they certainly got preferential treatment from us in return for them saying, hey, we're interested in Kent State. Now, again, what did I learn? We launched it and we didn't have in place, is this for sophomores? Is this for juniors? Is it for seniors? Uh, the whole idea wasn't fleshed out all the way. And so we're, we're taking a look at that again and deciding when do we want to introduce this to them? Is it their sophomore year, their junior year, or is it truly their senior year if they let us know kind of early early on in their senior year? The numbers were a little bit low because I don't think we promoted it in the best way. So the first year that we did it, we only promoted it in our view book. Again, that would be for seniors, right? Yeah. We had them assuming they read the whole view book, right? Assuming they read the whole view book, right? (laughs) (laughs) The second year we started to promote it through emails and digital channels. So we just need to go back to the drawing board and figure out which, you know, who we really want to focus on, who is the target audience, and then also how we need to promote this best. The, the big the big thing that we always wanted to stay away from is this becoming just a free t-shirt program because then everybody would yeah. sign up for it. And so we never really let them know what they would actually get because we wanted to find out who was truly interested in us, not just interested in, in getting a free t-shirt from us type of thing. So. Yeah, that, that was another one. And then one last example that I'll share um, for something we tried that didn't work out too well was we always used to CC our parents on our student emails. And so rather than treating parents as a separate audience, we would just include them in the send for everything that we were sending to their to their student. We send a lot of emails here at Kent State, admittedly, and the parents reached out to us and simply said, like, we don't feel like you're talking to us. You know, we don't feel like you're you're taking us into account. 
we don't feel like we're part of this process. We kind of feel like we're just an afterthought because you're just including us on our son or daughter's email. And so what we learned is that parents, especially in today's day and age, have to be their own separate audience. We have to treat them as if they're part of this process. And so we have a whole parent communications plan now that mm-hmm. as soon as we get a parent's email address or their phone number or, or however we, we need to reach out to them, we treat them as if we, we have to sell Kent State University to the parents just as much possibly even more these days than yeah. to the students. And so we proud to say that we learned from that quickly. We, we got their feedback and now we have a whole parent communication plan that we have their own uh, web, a web page on our website for parents, uh, for resources. Mm-hmm. We have a, a parent newsletter that goes out every single month, different resources around the university. So I, I feel like that was a something that we learned from quickly. And now we're, we're actually very much so succeeding in, in speaking with our parents. So great. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because a few years ago, I I remember that being the recommendation. Hey, you need to talk to parents, CC them on your on the student email so they have all the same information. Right. And <laughs> Funny how things change quickly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you hear those terms, helicopter parents and snowplow yeah. parents. You know, I again, we really are finding that in today's day and age, parents are so they're they're just right there with their students every step of the way. We see parents submitting the applications on behalf of their students, you know, they're filling these things out. So we we really do have to convince them about Kent State just as much as we're convincing the student. Yeah. In our, in our parent survey that we did back in the fall, it was over 10% of parents said they did the search for their child. Wow. So that that seems higher than I would want it to be, but. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's strange for me. I, I, I was in college from 2004 to 2008 you know, and I'm a first gen student, a proud first gen student, but it's just, it's weird for me to hear uh, data like that because I truthfully did it all on my own and I'm proud of that, you know? Um, but so, so it's weird, Will, to hear like 10% of parents just basically do it all for the students now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was, you know, I, I'm curious how many people when, because I was 2003 to 2007, I'm curious how many people our age were, had that same experience or if it really is a new thing. Right. Right. Yeah. That's your next survey, right? Yep. <laughs> Reach out to the older parents and see, hey, what did you do? There we go. <laughs> nice. Um, we always hear about things that are being built on the fly, right? You know, we're, we're building this program as we go. And it sounds like you had the opposite reaction of what we hear too often of, you know, we had to kind of build this as we go. We weren't sure what was going to happen. You were taking that opposite approach of, no, we're going to step back. We're going to do it right and then launch it. That's probably the safer approach. Right. It is. But but I mean, we could talk all day about the things that we build as we go here as well. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we all deal with that. Right. Again, I, I think that the numbers dictate so much of what we do. And so it's like, hey, the numbers mm-hmm. are low this week. We better shoot off another email or do some more phone yeah. calls or whatever it is. Um, but that, that's what that's what keeps us on our toes here in higher ed, yeah. especially with the recruitment world. You know, it's it's every day's a, a new challenge. That's for sure. Yeah. It's not a set and forget and let the let the nurture flows run. Oh, it is definitely not that. (laughs) Uh, Hey, so second question here. What practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? I love this question. I, um, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm, I, I wasn't raised in the higher ed field. I, I was a news reporter and a news anchor for, for four years and then find my way back. And I actually worked in alumni relations, uh, here at Kent state for five and a half years before eventually finding myself into the the recruitment and, and admissions world. I love to look outside of higher ed for ideas. So in higher ed, I feel like sometimes we all get stuck in a rut because we just copy and repeat and and quote unquote borrow what everybody else is doing. Right. 
Well, coming from advancement, that's case, right? Copy and steal everything. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yes. I always remember that acronym. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Copy and steal everything. But but I truly love to look outside of higher ed for ideas. So I follow all kinds of brands on, on social media. Of course, I follow other universities and, and other admissions mm-hmm. offices, you know, to see what, check out what, what they're doing. But I love to see what big brands and, and other you know corporations and companies are doing to see if I can then kind of convert them into something for higher education. So that's how I try to think outside the box rather than just kind of fitting in. And we'll talk a little bit about um, something that I did that I, I felt like you know we had a lot of success here at Kent State coming up uh, with some of the events that we did during during COVID. But that's number one for me when when I'm brainstorming new ideas is I'm actually looking outside of higher ed to get those ideas. Of course, you know I, I research, I read all kinds of white papers, to, you know, take part in webinars to see what other universities are doing. You, I think you have to do that. I think that that's kind of yeah. the foundation is to see what your competitors are doing. The other thing that I'll mention is timeliness. So as a former TV news anchor and reporter, I was always very deadline driven. And and really, to, to come up with a good news story, it has to be relevant and timely. I take that same approach in, in my job as director of strategic communications here at, at Kent State in the admissions office, because if, if we're late to the game for something, then we might as well not even do it. And, and that's tough in higher education because of how slow moving higher education is. You pitch an idea and then it's like six months later, you, you finally get the green light to do it. It's like, okay, well, I think it's a little bit too late to do that now. It's kind of like the TikTok generation. It's like, if you don't hop on that TikTok trend, you know, within the first week, it's like, might as well not even do it. It's kind of the same thing here. Things have to be timely and relevant, you know, and, and so that's something that I always try to follow when bringing new ideas and, and trying to, you know, hop on these trends. So I, I love the tangents. That's where all the great ideas come from. You can't just keep copying. What, right. what are some of the, these tangential ideas that you like to go to for sort of brainstorming or just keeping up on what's going on? Yeah, you know, I see. So the, the first thing that pops into my head is QR codes. So if, if there was one good thing that the pandemic has kind of brought back and, and made stronger was QR codes. So we remember those, Will, you know, back in like oh, yeah. the early 2000s and people were trying to push QR codes and they went nowhere because you had to download a, an app to be able to use yep. QR codes. Now, thankfully, our iPhones and our, you know, our smartphones, you can just scan, you know, pull open your, your camera and scan a QR code and it, it brings things to life. So as I started seeing big brands and, and corporations pushing QR codes, heck, we just saw during the Super Bowl, the commercial yeah. Coinbase, right? For a minute, we saw a QR code on our screen. So it's kind <laughs> of time. To else going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I saw these QR codes and I said, man, we can really start, start pushing those in our print materials to start bringing our print publications to life. So that's just one quick example that I can think of. So in our view books now and our travel books, all of our print pieces that our counselors take on the road with them, there's some type of a QR code. And my favorite ones are the ones, like I said, that that bring the print to life. So in our view book, for example, we have six QR codes throughout. You scan them and you actually get to hear from a current Kent State student talk about uh, maybe it's their major or the fact that they got to study abroad. And so you're going from just reading something that you're holding in your hand to being able to use your mobile device to then literally get to hear and see a current student. So, so that's a good example, you know, that I, that I certainly copied, borrowed, stealed um, from from some some outside entities because um, I didn't see a lot of that going on in higher education, you know, over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. But certainly now, I mean, everybody's using it now. Yeah, I I love that integrating it with the print materials because that's something while a view book or a postcard is static, 
you can keep updating that page it points to. And you can just have this living landing page that keeps telling new stories and it can yes. change throughout the year. I mean, that's, that is an awesome use of that. And, and the data that you get to by being able to yeah. track how many, you know, how many people have visited the link from that QR code. That's yeah. so, so key for us too, because then we get to say, Hey, this print piece is working or this pr- print piece is not working. You know, nobody's yeah. interacting with this. So. Yep. That is, that's a great use. I remember we, we tried QR codes back in 2011 uh, so that we could have a more dynamic booth at college fairs and it did not work at all, but right, right. it was too early. <laughs> yep. yep. It's funny. Hey, it comes full circle. So can you talk about, and you, you, we've teased this, I mean, we're finally getting to that segue, but can you talk about some of the ways that you and your team have brought some really unique ways of engaging students and parents in really safe ways over these past two years? Yeah, for sure. This is, uh, this is, I could talk to you about this for like two hours. How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, we've, we've got until the timer runs out. We've got plenty. Of <laughs> so this is, um, this is something that I'm really proud of. I, I pitched this idea in a leadership meeting because, so this was back in 2020, the pandemic is hitting hard. And so we get the order from our, our local health officials that we have to shut down basically Kent State. Like we can't have any on-campus tours. We can't have any visitors on campus. And so we had an an emergency leadership meeting with our whole division and our VP is saying, guys, we got to think outside the box. Like we have got to do something different. At Kent State, we're kind of like one of those universities where it's like the best kept secret. People have have a vision and they think they know what Kent State is. They don't really know how great we are until they step foot on campus. And so it's our biggest selling point, as I'm sure many universities are. When students step foot on campus, they're like, okay, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I can spend my next four years Mm -hmm. here type of thing. So to lose that campus experience, that campus visit was like detrimental to us. And so I, I remembered I had just gotten an email couple days prior to this meeting, this emergency meeting, it's from one of my favorite country artists. He's kind of an up and comer. His name is Jordan Davis. And so I saw that Jordan Davis was hitting the road and he was going to do concerts. And I'm like, how's he doing a concert? You know, when everything's shut down, it's, it's like the pandemic, you know, we're all quarantined right now. Mm-hmm. So he was going to drive-in movie theaters. He was playing on a stage that they would build at the drive-in movie theater and everybody could stay safely in their cars and watch Jordan Davis perform. And I was like, okay, I feel like we can borrow that idea and, and do something with recruitment with that. And so I, I kind of pitched this on the fly. I'm like, okay, if they can do concerts at drive-in theaters. We can take Kent State on the road and, and present at drive-in theaters too. The whole concept of being in your car means you're, you're safe, you're socially distanced, you're just mm-hmm. with your family, who you're quarantining with anyways. You have audio with your car speakers. And so anything that we say over the microphone or the movie that, that we play that I'll tell you about will come right through your audio, your car speakers, mm-hmm. But the coolest thing, two, two things, actually, this got students out of their house and got them away from their laptops and it gave them an in-person experience while staying socially distanced. The other thing is that we almost treated it as if we were like running a, a Chick-fil-A where we're walking up to <laughs> car by car. And rather than taking their order in the drive through, you know, the 30 minute drive through that you're waiting in to, to get your Chick-fil-A. <laughs> We're going car by car and we're saying, hey, here's your personalized admission packet or here's your your personal. Like we, we made it personal because we knew the students that were going to be there. We had their whole plan with them and we said, what questions do you have? We're not going to leave your car. You know, of course, staying outside their car with masks on. Yeah. We're not going to leave until you feel like you have your questions answered. Like, how can we help you? What do you need from us at this point in time? 
And so we, as soon as this meeting, this meeting with our leadership ended, I was on the phone with drive-in theaters around the state of Ohio, pitching them this idea. And they're like, they're like, you want to do what? You know, you want to bring, you want to bring Kent State to a drive-in theater? How are you going to do this? I said, listen, you know, we just need your facility. Um, the, the plan was the first hour was kind of, we would let folks arrive. And, and again, we'd go car by car. We had admissions reps there. We had financial aid counselors. We had college reps um, from our from our 11 academic colleges on hand to go around and, and talk to these students. And then once the sun went down, um, we would play the feature presentation, which was a 50 to 55 minute movie at each of these locations. So again, I'm on the phone uh, pitching these ideas and we find out that Ohio has has an abundance of drive-in theaters, and so it, it was perfect, right? So we, yeah. we we recruit heavily, we attract heavily in Northeast Ohio, and so we did two drive-in theaters in Northeast Ohio. We did one in Columbus, one in Cincinnati, one in Toledo. So we did that in the fall of 2020. In the spring, we went back out on the road um, to drive-in theaters again. We did six, so we did those same five. And so the spring, the spring theme was, of course, ad- inviting our admitted students now to come back uh, to make sure that they knew what their ne- next steps were to answer any again personalized financial aid offer questions, that type of stuff. And then we also added in that spring, um, we went to PPG Paints Arena, which is pit- where the Pittsburgh Penguins play, mm-hmm. um, because we recruit heavily in Western PA as well. And so five drive-in movie theaters and then one inside of a massive arena that we were able to space out big time. You know, you, you could be you could have several rows uh, around you with no people in it because we, of how big that arena is. And so we yeah. used that massive screen there. So hopefully that, that gives you a little bit of a sense of what we did at these drive-in theaters. Yeah. Um, proud to say that they were such a success. So I, I know that that you had heard about this on, on Twitter. And, and so, yep. you know, it kind of went viral. We had media coverage from all over Ohio at these events. And then Yahoo News ended up picking up mm-hmm. this story and ran it nationally. We were um, selected to present at the Seattle NACAC um, back in the, mm-hmm. the fall. So we, we presented on this. Um, I, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was astounding as far as I think like 90% of the students who came to the fall events ended up applying to Kent State. And then somewhere like 70 to 75%, I want to say, ended up being admitted and actually coming to Kent State. It was something incredible. Wow. And and what we heard time and time again from these families was, you guys were the only ones who did this. Everybody else wanted to just do everything virtual and invite us to Zoom sessions. You guys went above and beyond to make sure that our students were, were... getting their questions answered and and really, you know, showed how our, our slogan here is you belong here. And we really showed mm-hmm. students how much they do belong here because we went that extra mile to make them feel like they were welcome here. So, yeah. And, and I think that you did it very differently than what could have been done where, hey, we're going to have this big event. We're going to have someone stand up front and, and talk and we'll have a video play and then we'll send you home. Right. But you actually took that it was almost like one-on-one meetings, you know, it was, wow, that, that I think is what really kind of sets it up for success then. Yeah, that, for sure. That yield is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll double check those numbers. I don't want to be misleading, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was very, very high. I can promise yeah. you that. So that awesome. yeah, it, it was a fantastic return on investment. And honestly, to, to rent a drive-in theater for a couple hours is much more affordable than, than what people probably think. These drive-in theaters yeah. were, were, were along with us struggling because yeah. people weren't leaving their house. And so they were, 
they were tickled to have us, you know, yeah. give them a call and, and ask them to use their theater because this is this was during a time that they were probably shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was certainly some extra revenue for them. So they were happy to accommodate. Yeah. And I mean, that's the type of facility that's empty most of the time. Right. So that's that's a huge help there. Yeah, absolutely. How many people did you have come to the prospective events and then after they were admitted came back for a second one? Did you see a lot of that? We did. We did. Because again, it it lasted several months where they couldn't get on campus. And so, um, you know, when we were doing these events in the Cleveland area, we were we were having about 100 families at, at our events. Down towards Columbus and Cincinnati, it was more like 50 to 75 families. Um, and so certainly we weren't filling up from from front to back these drive-in theaters because those places are massive. Um, yeah. But we had we had great turnouts. I would say that, that, that when we did them again in the spring, we had many, many repeat um, students and families who, who showed up to just get that next step information from us and to meet with us again. Because at that point, you know, they were they were very involved in their journey now. They were very down the road of, of Kent State. And so, again, you know, we, we see a lot of students who will come and visit and take a campus tour here. And then they come back for our future flash days, which are our admitted student events only for admitted students. And so it was the same concept. Essentially, when they came to the drive-in theater in the fall, that was their campus visit. You know, we showed them campus on the big screen in a 25-minute tour of campus, a video tour of campus. And then in the spring, they essentially came back for their future flash day at at the drive-in theater again to get those last-minute details finalized. So, Do you remember seeing any different types of questions or engagements at these type of events once you get them? Probably, for a lot of them, it was a local drive-in, so maybe that puts them a little bit more of their comfort zone rather than having to go into your office and just feeling, you know, a fish out of water right off the bat. Did you see any yeah. difference in, in comfort level and questions? Absolutely. Because like you just mentioned, we came to them, we came to their hometown. So we, we didn't ask them to drive two hours, three hours to come to campus. Mm-hmm. We made it more so convenient for them to get their questions answered, you know, w- with that face-to-face visit rather than asking them again from Cincinnati to come up here. It's about three and a half hours. And so yeah. it's a, it's a long drive. And so, yeah, we, we, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of great feedback we got we had students who who wrote to us and parents who wrote to us and and just literally it was like such an emotional email or such an emotional phone call like you guys provided us that type of service that we were looking for that we just literally could not get anywhere else and like you said will i think it was because we came to their communities we we took yeah. kent state to them we took ksu to you which is what we we called these events and so yeah it was it was just fantastic like i said i could talk about this with you for hours on end <laughs> <laughs> but it, was it all students or did you see counselors cbo's advocates coming to these as well most of the um, guests were families what we saw yeah. honestly were were van loads. You know, we, we yeah. saw we, we saw mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, you know, packing in a van to come. And Wherever so came to campus, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, people like th- this was like their night out. You know, we, we saw a couple where it was almost like a like a date night. Um, it was funny. We saw a couple, you know, they must have been like dating in high school and they yeah. were both going to go to Kent State. When you think back, you know, like you go to a, you go on a date to a um, yeah. to a drive-in theater. Um, that's that's what some students did. It was funny yeah. um, seeing that happen. But yeah, I mean, it, it was just it was just great. I, I can't remember if we really saw any high school counselors or they were certainly invited. But but this was really tailored to you know to the the students. So all right, so backing up just a step here, how did you go about brainstorming this and other types of adjusted visits and 
and thinking about those experiences and then actually, okay, how do we make this happen? How do we get the logistics to actually work? So I think that can be a stumbling point of someone might say, oh, I've got all these great ideas and they're hearing this and they're getting excited, but then, okay, where do you start trying to even work out the logistics? Yeah, Ugh, it, that's a tough one. So for these KSU to you drive-in theater events in specific, I'll talk about those first and then we'll talk more in general. For these drive-in theater events, it happened quickly. I, we, we planned these within two weeks. And so within those two wow. weeks, we were also developing um, the, the print post. We did postcard invites. Uh, mm-hmm. We were developing the series of emails to invite students and parents. Um, we were developing a, a landing page on our website to talk about all the events or all the different locations that we'll be at. So it was a KSUTU specific landing page. We had text messages. We had social media marketing. We had targeted digital ads on social media. Mm-hmm. So we really ran the gamut as far as from a marketing perspective, how we were going to get students interested and eventually to, to sign up to come to these events. While that was going on, our events team was figuring out, okay, what else are we going to give to these students beyond just the experience? We need to provide them some food because we were asking them to come during dinner time. And so we worked out the logistics with each theater of which concession stand items we would offer. And so when students would drive into these events, they would be handed a voucher. That voucher was, I believe, at most places worth $10. And so every student, every visitor got a $10 voucher from us where they could go enjoy a hot dog, bag of popcorn, some chips, some candy, mm-hmm. you know, those traditional movie theater snacks that you get. Yeah. Um, and so we fed them. So that was certainly part of the logistics. We had to figure out, you know, how closely we should be parking cars next to each other, you know, trying to leave mm-hmm. a space so that we could kind of get in in between those cars and have those conversations that we were talking about, as yeah. well as making sure that, that everybody felt comfortable, you know. Know, if, if people chose to, to step outside of their car, we didn't want them to, to be right next to somebody else's car. You know, yeah. COVID was, was such an unknown at that time. We didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, if it was traveling outside as well and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so those logistics, you know, came together really, really quickly. And, and honestly, it was one of those things where it's like everything just kind of magically aligned and we just pulled it off. Logistics and, and you know, brainstorming visits and experiences in general now, of course, following all the all the health and safety protocols, what the health department is saying, what the state is mm-hmm. saying at the time. Um, you know, we still have limited uh, guests for our big campus tours. Whereas, you know, in the past we would have 300 families come for some of our big visit days. Uh, we're down to 250 right now, just to make sure that we have enough space in our ballroom um, to keep things socially distanced. But from the marketing end of things too, we have to pay, pay close attention to that because if our registrations start coming in too hot and heavy, we have to make sure that we cap it, you know, to make sure that we don't overfill our event space. So certainly tailoring our messages based on the numbers, uh, as we talked mm-hmm. a lot about. Yeah, so I would say those are some of the the things that we really have to pay attention to now through COVID. Is is certainly the numbers, making sure that everybody's safe, making sure that we're following the university's protocols. You know, masks are still required on campus right now here at Kent State. Um, so, so certain, you know, protocols like that. So, With that video, you had the tour, it had everything else. Did that exist already or is that something you had to pull together real fast? No. So, so that's when I relied on my former life as a, as a news okay. broadcaster. I have a very high interest in shooting and editing videos. I do a lot of this on the side still to this day, but I picked up a camera and I was like, okay, we're going to do an admissions one-on-one presentation. I'm going to film that and edit that. So that's the same presentation that they would get if they came to campus for their campus tour. They get that, that introductory yeah. you know, presentation. Let me back up. We started the video off. We hired an outside video editing firm to do this one. So they came and they shot a video as if they were driving into campus. And so- okay. 
the user at these drive-in theaters got to experience what it looks like to drive into campus. It's beautiful. We shot it in the fall time. The leaves were changing. And they're already sitting behind their wheel in the car. So it's that same experience. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so we are very much uh, not a destination campus, but we're, we're a true college town. We're not plopped in the middle of a big city. Kent State is about 45 minutes from Cleveland, about 30 minutes from Akron. Um, so we're a true college town. And so we really got to show off that beauty of those trees and, and kind of the, the nature that you drive into once you get to campus. So we started the presentation off with that. Then it transitioned into the admissions 101 presentation. Mm -hmm. Then we got to hear from current students. Then we took them on a basically a 30 minute campus tour. And so they got to go the exact route that they would go as if they were on campus. They got to, you know, it was all narrated. They got to learn about the buildings, the different offerings that we have on campus. And then we, we actually closed it out with, this was unique, but we asked everybody to pull out their phone and we did an Instagram live with them right then and there. And so any questions right. that they had, based on what they had just watched on the big screen, we answered them and we had current students on standby to answer these questions that these students would have on Instagram Live. Um, and so that's how we capped it off before we we told everybody goodnight um, and, and dismissed them from, from the show. Yeah. So, And I assume that's something that anyone could have participated in too, right? It wouldn't have to be the people just there at the... That's, a, that's a good way to bring together the in-person and the virtual all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, but to answer your question, so that video... About half of it was shot by me and or my team here in the in our uh, um, admissions marketing, or we hired out for the the drive to campus video and then the thirty minute campus tour video. The thirty minute campus tour video that's a massive undertaking with how yeah. many shots and and the editing time with that. So again, to get that done within that like two week time frame, kudos to the to the video crew that that we hired in to do that one. So yeah. that's great that they were available and got that done. Right. <laughs> Wow. So what, when you're pulling that together, how are you still using it? Cause I assume that's something you want to keep using as long as you can. I mean, you'll have to update pieces here and there, but yeah. I, I assume that's not something you want to use those what five times and then say, Oh, on to something new. Right. So that is our number one viewed video on our YouTube page. It's the number one, most viewed number one, most commented. It's really attracting our international audience. They are loving that campus tour video because for them to get here in person is almost an impossible task right yeah. now for, for many folks. And so that video has been such a blessing in disguise. We, we've always had a virtual tour. This is, it's like, it's more than just a virtual visit. It's it's narrated, it's in 4K video, you know, just the, yeah. the quality of it is is so great compared to a virtual tour. And so they're, it's almost like they're getting to see campus right there in person you know, right on their screen. And so again, it's been such a blessing because it's, it's attracted more international folks to the university. They comment all the time, like, this is my dream university. Thank you for this video. And so we have certainly, certainly gotten the best bang for our buck with that video because it, it is our most popular video on YouTube right now. And that's awesome. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for sure. That's, that's a great asset to have. How often do you have to go in and refresh pieces of it? And, and well, so it, that's the tough part with, with YouTube, at least. If we refreshed it, then we would have yeah, to a new video at that point. pull it down. Yeah. yeah. And so we haven't touched it on YouTube because, again, we want to keep those numbers climbing. Honestly, the campus hasn't changed much over the past two years because a lot of our mm -hmm. construction updates were put on pause because of the, the pandemic. Oh, that's a good point. And so as I'm thinking through this, I'm not sure if we have really refreshed enough of campus to be able to warrant a refresh of that video. It's still it's still pretty much the same. 
It's one of those in a few years the the clothing will give away what it was. But. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> How are you going to carry on these sort of in the community opportunities? Mm-hmm. We. So proud to say that the name has stuck. So any of our on, our off-campus events, we refer to them as KSU to you now. Um, everybody loved that name. And it makes sense. We, when we leave campus, we're bringing Kent State to you. We're bringing KSU yeah. to you. Um, so the name has certainly stuck. We are always looking at unique venues now. So we have yeah. looked at minor league baseball stadiums. We we haven't executed any of those yet. We've looked at, I mentioned PPG Paints Arena. We we mm-hmm. are you know talking with a lot of sports teams who have these big venues. Um, so for these large scale events that that we like to do when we're you know trying to recruit students, we don't have to be pigeonholed and, and stuck at going to hotels all the time or going to restaurants all yeah. the time. We can look at some of these more unique venues. We can look at outdoor parks, you know, and just put up a pop-up screen. We can think outside the box now. And, and what's cool about it is I think that it's, it's more attractive, at least to me. Uh, I, I'm a sports fan. So if you say, hey, meet me at PPG Paints Arena or at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse up in Cleveland, like to me, that's like, OK, that's so much cooler than going to a hotel conference room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the idea. Again, I'm biased a little bit because I am a sports fan and this was one of my ideas. But we've learned that we don't have to do things like we've always done it. We don't have to keep using those hotel ballrooms and conference rooms. But to get back to your question a little bit, how is this, you know, how will we use this moving forward? So. We know right away if the pandemic, it takes a turn for the worse. The drive-in theaters are certainly um, one of our first options. We are very happy, you know, that our campus tours are back on campus. And, and that's certainly our number one goal I mentioned earlier, is to get students and parents to step foot on our campus because that changes their perception that they may have of Kent State. You know, we hear all the time, you're, you're kind of the best kept secret in Northeast Ohio. And we'd love to change that. Uh, I think we're making great ground in, in changing that. There was a certain thought of Kent State back when we were more of kind of an open enrollment type university in the 80s and, and that kind of stuff. We are actually the, the top ranked public university in, in Northern Ohio, we graduate the most students of all Northeast Ohio universities. We have 360 plus programs and, and majors here at Kent State University. Many of them are world renowned, our fashion program, our aeronautics program. You know, and so to get them on campus really allows them to see it and experience for themselves how great we are. If, if we need to, we will certainly go back to, to bringing Kent State to them. And we always know that now because of the success that we had with these KSUDU drive-in theater events. I mean, they seem like a good sort of magnet, too. You go out in the community, you, you're meeting with students, and then, hey, they're really interested, and they come for that second visit. They can you know, be even more invested once they get on campus instead of that deer and headlights look as they wander around. <laughs> yeah. And something that it's somewhat similar, but we are actually going to hit the road here. Um, it, I, I believe next week, actually, now that we're, now that I'm looking at the date, uh, we have, I think 17 regional dinners lined up. So th- these are not, you know, large scale events. These are more intimate. And so we're going to some smaller communities. You know, we, we get some students from the Indianapolis area, from Atlanta, mm-hmm. from Chicago. We, we do really well in Chicago, but um, we're visiting some of these communities that we actually have not really put a large focus on before um, to try to take some of that pressure and burden off of some of these students from having to travel here. We understand, you know, that that with the pandemic still going on, you know, traveling isn't isn't the most easy solution for some people. So again, we're taking Kent State to them. 
more intimately. We're treating them to dinner. Um, we're, we're renting spaces that you know will provide dinner that we can also have a little presentation going on behind our admissions counselors. We're taking a financial aid rep with them so that they can go over their detailed financial aid plan right in front of them. If they have any questions, that's the idea is how do we get these admitted students to confirm? How do we get them to pay their deposit and say, I'm going to Kent State? And I think by taking these, these steps that we're doing, by going to them, like we keep talking about, that's going to mean so much more to them. We're the third largest university in Ohio, but we're kind of acting like a small university right now by taking these steps um, and making it feel more personal for them and, and making them feel wanted. We want them to come to Kent State. You know, this is a way to show them that. So, yeah, and it seems to me, at least as, as an outsider, it seems like these types of programs are showing a commitment, not just to the student, but to those communities as well. For right? sure. Absolutely. And, and we, we have traditionally been just kind of a regional university. You know, we, we want to change that. We all know with, with population declines here in the Midwest that we have to stop just relying on our backyard, you know, the students in our backyards. We have to continue to expand our reach. And that's what I think this is doing too, Will, is like you said, it's showing that commitment to that community. It's getting us out of Northeast Ohio, you know, and attracting students from from much further away because we, we really are showing that initiative that we want them to be a part of our Kent State family. All right. I, I love data. So let's end this out here with how are you looking at all these and evaluating the effectiveness of these programs? At the end of the day, we all know it's about butts and seats, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that that's I think that's the 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 king data that we're always looking at is our enrollment. Um, what I would say, you know, to to get a little bit more granular is, you know, we can talk about the numbers of registrations and the, the show rate at, at these events and that kind of stuff. We can talk about our email open rates and our click through mm-hmm. rates and all that good stuff, which we're certainly taking a look at every single day. But at the end of the day, it really is, are we hitting our enrollment goals? And also, I mentioned this a little bit, but are we are we attracting students from other places? You know, we see, we see in Ohio that even though we're projected to have a population decline here in Northeast Ohio, places like Columbus and Cincinnati are expected to do quite well over the next 10 years, and perhaps their population will grow. And so, again, we have to stop thinking about ourselves as a Northeast Ohio university and really attract in Columbus, in Cincinnati, in Indianapolis, in these places that, um, you know, we understand aren't going to be hit as hard with a population decline as we are here in Northeast Ohio. So, yeah, I mean, I hate to keep saying it, but but at the end of the day, it really is how many students enroll at Kent State University and how many actually attend class for those first 15 days, because that's the ultimate goal for us. But really, it's, it's more, I hate to focus on the numbers all the time, because it really is about the experience. It's that memorable experience. And so we can we can talk all day about our enrollment goals and numbers. But what means more to me sometimes is when we get those emails and those phone calls from students and families and they say, thank you so much for coming to our community or thank you so mm-hmm. much for you know doing that drive in theater event. That meant so much to us because we didn't get that from anybody else. So if we mm-hmm. can attract, you know, students to to. Kent State University through a special event like that, you know, that memorable experience is always going to stick with them. They're going to then tell their friends and their family about what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I think, is kind of that boots on the ground approach where, you know, if we continue doing these special events like that, not only are we going to get the great Yahoo News media coverage and things like that yeah. that we got, but but really, you know, in those local communities, they're now going to say, oh, yeah, Kent State, that's an option for me, even though I live five hours away. Or, you know, even though nobody else from my high school is is going there, um, you know, they made me feel special. They made me feel wanted. So, 
Yeah, I would think it's part of a branding and awareness play as well. That Absolutely. you're you're building that perception, you're building that awareness in these communities as well. Absolutely. How are you taking in all of the qualitative factors here? You know, how are you knowing, uh, okay, this this piece or this aspect isn't really hitting the way we want to. We should change that for the next one. How are you sort of getting that level of feedback? What's the overall? They're making strong connections. They're they're building affinity. We're yeah. growing brand awareness in this community because we're seeing a lift in traffic later from that region. Yeah. What, what sort of things are you looking at to figure out if there's other benefits as well? No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say affinity and, and really growing awareness in those communities. So something cool that I, that I kind of failed to mention, especially with these dinners that we're about to embark on, these, um, these regional dinners, we're having a recent graduate or an alum meet us at these mm-hmm. dinners. That's somebody who lives, works, breathes in that mm-hmm. community. And so that to us is showing that the proof is in the pudding, right? We are showing you, we're meeting, we're, we're introducing you to somebody from your community that you currently live in who is a Kent State grad. That's our brand ambassador. They can tell how great, you know, we prepared them for the career that they have in that local community. And so that when you talk about kind of growing that affinity, you know, we're introducing them right away to somebody who has found success because of their time at Kent State that you can never start networking too early. And so for a high school student to start to make that connection with an alum who is in their local community, imagine the possibilities once they graduate. You know, they can reach out to that alum or even along the way and say, hey, does your company have any internships? You know, we're building that affinity and that connection right there while they're in high school. The parents are going to remember that as well. To your point of just like building affinity in these communities, we had never traveled to these some of these communities before I, I not not at least from my knowledge in the three years that I've been here I, I can't remember the last time that we've been to Atlanta or to Indianapolis not at least making a concerted effort like this to actively go out without being asked to come you know we are going out there and we're asking you to come to our dinner now because we want you to have all the t- all the resources right in front of you that you need to make sure that you're staying on track to, to get here to Kent State this is something that's going to be interesting to watch years down the road. Is it the little siblings who came to these, do they have yes. more of an affinity because at this time where they, they felt so stuck at home, Hey, right. Kent state gave me this awesome opportunity that I got to go and hang out and eat some popcorn and, and you know, have yeah. some M&Ms. <laughs> what, what's neat about it is that it's kind of an old school approach, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. everything is virtual now and we have, you know, Facebook turning into what is it? Meta. Um, and, and the metaverse and, you know, everybody's going to be walking around with goggles on the rest of their life or whatever. Well, we're kind of <laughs> throwing it back and we're going old school because in this time where everything is virtual and everything is right here, I'm looking at you on a laptop right now, mm-hmm. you know, we are getting out of that a little bit and, and meeting folks out in their communities and taking them to dinner and, you know, showing them a, a drive-in movie theater presentation, mm-hmm. which is, is so old school. But at the same time, I personally think that it's it's so unique and so wanted right now by, by, by many folks. Some people are, are fine staying in their house 24-7, and, and that's cool. But I certainly want to get out in the community and talk to people face-to-face. And I think a lot of people are, are desiring that you know, through this pandemic. They're tired of, of the laptops, and they're tired of being stuck inside. They want to get out and meet people and, and be in person again. We're not that far removed where a big part of admission counselor role was in-home visits. Right. And going out meeting with families at their house. If I'm someone who's listening to this and I'm a leader, I'm a middle manager, and it's like, how do I get the buy-in? Yeah. So data, data, data. Mm -hmm. I I know that you know that, Will. Um, 
you know, I, I, I just encourage, and, and I was fortunate, you know, when I pitched that idea for KSEDU drive-in theater events, I was fortunate enough that leadership was like, do it, you know, it sounds, yeah. sounds good enough. Let's give it a shot. And, and it really worked out. I would just really encourage, really encourage folks to, to take a chance. You know, this pandemic has thrown us all a curveball, but really, I think in a way, and I don't want this to sound this way, but it's kind of been a blessing because it's, it's gotten us all to think differently. So often I feel in higher education, we do things because that's how it's always been done. But that's why we're slow. We're, we're a little slower in higher education because we, we don't take those chances and we don't try new things and think outside the box. And so I would certainly encourage folks, you know, if they're listening to this or, or, or whatever it is, to, to try new things and really pitch those ideas, even if you think they're crazy. Because, again, this KSU drive-in theater event, I thought of it because one of my favorite country artists was playing a show at a drive-in theater near me. You know, to, to be able to kind of just think like, okay, if he's doing that, why can't Kent State do that? I think yeah. that's the type of thinking we all need to have moving forward is how do we how do we meet our students and our parents and our families where they're at? Not stuck in our old ways of, well, we got to get them to campus and then they got to fill out their application and then we'll send them their admission packet. Things are different and, and people desire, people need something different from us moving forward. Try new things. Think outside the box. You know, this is the time to do it. Well, this has been fantastic. I, I really appreciate your time here today. I've learned a tremendous amount. I hope other people are getting excited listening to this and and jotting down lists of notes of things to try. So Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, this has been great to talk with you and always happy if, if any folks have questions, you know, feel free to, they can reach out to me directly if, if that's okay. That was actually my next question. If people want to continue the conversation, how can they get in touch with you? Yes. Shoot me an email, vslomsky at kent.edu. That's probably the best way. Um, you can okay. find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Vince Slomsky. I'm happy to accept any LinkedIn requests and we can we can chat through there as well. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of the week and, and stay safe. Awesome. Well, you too. Thanks so much.